You're listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Citizens, good morning. Uh, My name is Josh Patterson, and uh, I serve as a pastor on staff at the Village Church, which is uh, in Flower Mound, Texas. Our, Our two churches have a great shared history together, if you don't know that history. I would encourage you to ask somebody about it. Uh, I'm, I'm honored to be here. What a joy it is. Um, Jamin called me on Sunday. Was it Sunday? Sunday. And said, hey, can you, can you do this uh, a few days from now? And I said, uh, I'd be honored. I'd be honored to do it. Uh, if you don't know, Jamin hurt himself watching a pickleball game. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's brutal out there, y'all. It is tough out there. Um, I, love, I love your church, and uh, I love being here. I love my church, and I miss being away from them. Uh, I do feel a connection with y'all, and uh, I, I don't know everybody here. I know a lot of folks here. I, I know your leadership really well. I know your elders, and uh, I, I'm always encouraged, so thank you. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, uh, not the entire book. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. But let me see if I can set up Ephesians for you just to kind of orient you a little bit uh, to what's going on in the book. So Paul writes the book of Ephesians in the first three chapters. You have this incredibly high doctrine. Uh, he's going to talk about the doctrine of salvation, your call uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to start in chapter 1. And it's one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. And move through chapter 3 with two incredible prayers. And, uh, and he's going to set this really high theology. He's going to talk about the theology of salvation, the theology of the church. And he moves in chapter 4 through chapter 6, which is the end of the book. And he's going to take that high theology and bring it right to the ground. This is how this theology plays out in real Life. This is how it plays out in your life and in the church. And in chapter four, he starts off and he says that you're to live a life worthy of the calling. So that Christ has called you, he has redeemed you, he has saved you, he has rescued you. Now go live a life in light of what he has done. And in chapter four, the first six verses, Paul's going to talk about unity. He's going to spend a lot of time talking about the unity of the faith the importance of our oneness. He's gonna talk about one faith, one baptism, one Lord, uh, one Father of them all. And he moves from the talk of unity because he's gonna talk in verses 11 through 16 about the diversity of gifts. So he's gonna anchor us in oneness first, and then he's gonna pivot and he's gonna talk about the diversity of gifts. He's gonna start by saying, hey, we are one together. This matters, our oneness matters. And then he's gonna say, you have been endowed each and every one of you with a myriad, a variety, a diversity of gifts. And so I'm just going to pose this question to you this morning, and I'm actually looking for a response. Did you know that you're gifted? So four or five of you knew that. <laughs> this is going to be a revelatory message for you this morning. Did you know, citizens, that you are a gifted people? You are a gifted people. And I said verses 1 through 6 and then 11 through 16. Here's what's crazy. The, the hinge point, verses 7 through 10, talks about Christ's victory and his victory over sin, death, and the enemy. So the gifts that you have are a part of Christ's spoils of his victory. 
So they're not just these small things that I kind of walk around, I'm like, oh, I've got the gift of hospitality, I've got the gift of teaching, the gift of administration, the gift of fill in the blank. The gift that you have, and you have been gifted, the gift that you have is the spoils of Christ's victory given to you. It matters, it's significant. And we're gonna see that he expects us and invites us to use those gifts in really powerful ways. And so that's where we're gonna be. We're gonna be in verses 11 through 16. Really, the last few verses, uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna camp out there. But let me tell you a story. I went to Texas A&M and, okay. I'm just gonna note, when I asked you if you were gifted, there were less people who answered that the first time than there were those of you who whooped, uh, which as an Aggie, I get. Um, so I, I went to Texas A&M, and, and let me just uh, give you a little bit of background. If, if you had asked me when I was growing up what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have said an oral surgeon. And the reason that I wanted to be an oral surgeon is because my dad was an oral surgeon, and I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to grow up and take over his practice. That's what we talked about all the time. Uh, if some of you know my story, uh, a lot of you probably don't, in high school, let's just not say, let's say I wasn't quite on a trajectory that would, would have indicated to you that I was uh, on my way to medical school, okay? Uh, I got kicked out of Plano Independent School District, I went to military school and rehab and all these kinds of things, but I would have said medicine. That's the way that I was going. When I got to a and I came to faith at 19, God changed my heart. Uh, and, and quickened me to life at 19. And I had this rekindled focus uh, to actually be an oral surgeon. So I, I'm at A&M, and I'm studying zoology, all right? And I'm studying zoology because my dad was a zoology major. Uh, I had no real interest in zoology. Uh, I just thought, well, this is what he did. So here I am, I'm, I'm in zoology. It's the first week of my junior year. I'm sitting in the Memorial Student Center with a dear friend, Angie Davis, now Angie Isles. And Angie and I are talking, and we have this conversation, and I say this sentence. If the gospel's true, and I believe it is, then it's the most important thing in the world. And if it's the most important thing in the world, then I don't want to do anything else with my life. And I said that, and it just began to haunt me. I started wondering, like, what, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for medicine? What does that mean for tomorrow? What does that mean for my career, my life, and all of these types of things? For the next year, I struggled and wrestled around that particular sentence. In November of 1999, so 24 years ago, I drove to Waco, Texas, and had a dinner with my dad. And the sole purpose of that dinner with my dad was to have a discussion about me transitioning from medicine to ministry. And I said at that dinner, I'm terrified to do it. So just context, I wasn't raised in the church. I had no background in the church. I wasn't raised uh, kind of looking up to a youth pastor or a pastor of any sorts. Uh, that was foreign to me. So this idea of ministry, there was no precursor to it. And I had this conversation and my dad says to me at that dinner, I think you need to take the leap. I think you need to go towards ministry. So I drove back to College Station. I changed my major from zoology to communications. Praise the Lord. That was uh, a significantly easier major. And, um, and I finished. And, and in some sense, I have not looked back. Uh, it has been ministry since then. And in another sense, I, I look back all the time. 
I think about that sentence all the time. I think about that pivot all the time. Um, And here's what's crazy. If I asked you to share your vocational journey, very few of you in this room are pastors. Very few of you in this room are ministers. The overwhelming majority, overwhelming majority of you, teachers, doctors, lawyers, engineers, managers, businessmen and women, uh, you fill in the blank, stay-at-home parents, whatever it might be, you are very likely not in vocational ministry. And let me just say that this to you, praise the Lord. Not, not because it's like, praise God, <laughs> not in a weird way, but praise the Lord because this is exactly what God intends for you and I to be about. You have a role and I have a role. Jamin, Bleeker, Adam have a role that is unique and different than the role that you have been given. Here's my point, here's the entire message. God gave people to prepare people to build people. God gave people to prepare people to build people. Here's what I want you to see. Right out of the gate in Ephesians uh, 4, 11 through 16, this is one long, complete, complex Greek sentence. So here's what you need to know. It's one idea, one thought that the Apostle Paul has. And the thought that he has is God gave people to prepare people to build people. In verse 11, he says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. The emphasis here is on the he. He gave. The he is emphatic in this sentence. Christ gave out of his generosity, out of his victory, out of his, out of his giving heart. He gives gifted people to the church to prepare people for the church, to build people in the church. That's what he's doing. He gives these people, and there's a whole uh, kind of different interpretations about how we understand apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and that's not for this talk. What you need to know is this, that God gave some people. Not a bunch of people, he just gave some people. And the whole idea in this passage is not that those that he gave are superior. It's not the idea that those that he gave are varsity and there's a junior varsity. That's not what this is about. There's a distinction in role, not a distinction in value. There is a distinction in role, not a distinction in value. He gives these people to prepare people. F.F. Bruce says this, those that are named here exercise their ministries in such a way as to help other members of the church to exercise their own respective ministries. Max Anders amplifies it and he says this, it's not the task of these gifted people to do all the work of ministry. Their task is to prepare God's people for works of service. When believers are equipped and people accept the adventure of ministering to others, then the whole body is built up, matured, strengthened, and flourishes. I love that. Now here's the deal. When I said most of you in here are not pastors or ministers, praise the Lord. All of you in here, if you are in Christ, are in the ministry. And I'll say it again. All of you in here, if you are in Christ, you are in the ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says this, that you have been called to be an ambassador. 
And what God is doing is activating ambassadors to go out. And he gave some people to prepare other people to build people. This is what he is doing. And the role of the pastor minister is to equip, to prepare, to build. And so you see it in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. The verb used here, the noun used here, it's only used this time in all of the New Testament. Here's what it means. It means to equip, to furnish, to prepare, to train, to build, to mend, to put things in order like the setting of a bone. So the pastor minister is to come and to prepare, to equip, to set, to heal, to build, to activate you, to give the ministry to you. It is not our ministry, it is your ministry. And for the leaders of the church to take that from you is to steal from you what is rightly yours. And for you to discard what is rightly yours is to abdicate the responsibility and the privilege of building people. God gave people to prepare people to build people. Francis Schaeffer says this, and I love it. There are no little jobs. There are no little people and there are no little places. The gift that you have matters. The gift that you have matters. You may look around and look at other people and say, oh, I really wish I had that gift or I really wish I had that gift or my gift isn't turned up as high as that gift seems to be turned up as high in that particular person. And Schaefer rightly rebukes us in that thinking, there are no little jobs. There are no little jobs. What you do matters. What you do is significant. What you do is building into people. You're investing your heart, your life into the ministry. It is no small thing. And so just by way of encouragement, if I could just spur you on in this, citizens, and this is actually not a long sermon. Um, I want to invite you into the ministry that is rightly yours. I, I want to invite you into what Max Anders said is the great adventure of life. You see, the church is not an audience to be entertained, but ambassadors to be activated. It is time for us to wake up to the reality before us and step into what God has called us into. And if I could say it more specifically, for you and I to wake up and for you to step into what God has called you to step into. He has graciously redeemed you. He has opened the eyes of your heart that you might see and believe, Ephesians chapter one. Paul prays in a chapter three that your inner person would be strengthened, that you might be girded up and prepared and then released into this. This ministry, your ministry. And in verses seven through 10 of Ephesians chapter four, Paul says this, the spoils of his victory as he moves forward in his triumphal procession, as he graciously looks to and fro and he says, to you I give this gift, and to you I give this gift, and to you I give this gift, and to you I give this gift. Now with your gifts as one body, 
Would you build people? Would you build them? Would you invest in them? Would you pour into them? Surely you know this church. Surely you know the need. Surely you can look around and sense and see the brokenness of the world that we find ourselves in. Do you feel that, right? It's palpable. People need the generous, gracious gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need your administration. They need the peace that you bring. They need your prayers. They need your advocacy. They need your ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says this, that the God of all comfort comforts us in such a way that we might be a comfort to others. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever been comforted by Christ? Hands up. Okay. <clears throat> According to 2 Corinthians 1, if you have been comforted by Christ, you are prepared to comfort another. The God of all comfort comforts us so that we might be a comfort to others. That gift of comfort that you have been given was not meant to terminate on you, was what, but was meant to flow through you to another. You have been comforted that you might comfort another. Our life is not like a pool, but a pipe, a pool which fills up and swells up. We read the Bible to get more knowledge and we read it to get more knowledge. That's a pool filling up, but rather a pipe that flows through. We read that we might go and do. And you have received that you might give. I believe this room is full of people whose eyes have been opened to the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've placed your faith in him, young and old in this room. You are now ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because your eyes have been opened. You have a testimony. You have a story to tell. I was once dead, now I am alive. If you are waiting for all of the answers before you share, you will never share. Why? Because you will never have all of the answers. Nobody does. Nobody does, including the apostles. Could you be a comfort? You bet you can. Can you share the gospel? Absolutely you can. God gave people to prepare people to build people. I want to give you a gift, and this encouraged my own heart as I asked the team here at Citizens. I just asked them to give me some names Give me some names in your church of people who are building people. And here's what I love about this list that I'm going to read to you. They all have full-time jobs. They're all not pastors. They are the people who are building into you Citizens Church. They are caring for you. They are sacrificing for you. And check this out. My guess is they are as busy as any of the rest of us. But these folks, and not because they're better, but I just want to encourage them and encourage you, church. Jeff and Allison Saladin. I've known them for a long, long time. Jeff's the longest tenured elder here at Citizens. He and Allison have faithfully served in multiple ministries here for years. They love the people of Citizens Church in hundreds of unseen ways. Their family embodies a humble love for Jesus and his church. Citizens would not be the same without them. <clears throat> Mary Turner. I don't know of anyone who prays for our church as much as Mary. 
She has helped cultivate a culture of dependence on the Lord and eagerness to go to God in prayer. She moves towards those in need and is a constant encouragement. <laughs> More Marys, please. Ina Carruth, went to college with Ina, has faithfully taught our women's Bible class for seven years. She's a gifted teacher who generously lends her voice and presence to our church. Matt and Kathy Almeter, am I saying that right? Nailed it. <clears throat> They're home group coaches here. They care and advocate for their home group leaders with faithful consistency and passion. They encourage their leaders and connect them to one another to build up the body of Christ all behind the scenes for God's glory and not their own. Becca Smith, she runs our entire ministry here for children with disabilities. She is the bee's knees. <laughs> Joven Kuhn faithfully disciples a huddle group of seventh grade boys. I hear claps over here, possibly from seventh grade boys. Yeah. At Unite, he's done so for two years now. Those boys look more like Jesus because of Joven. He also thinks deeply about following Jesus well, wrestles with questions, conforms his life to the scriptures, and is an exceptional friend. Bill and Joni Lewis, they lead and care for so many in our church. They're a constant source of encouragement. John Allman and Peggy Usella, coaches in recovery and steps. They pour into the ministry week in and week out. They help train and equip leaders and mentors, giving tirelessly of their time and talents for the glory of God and the restoration of his people. They've been deeply changed by the gospel and want others to experience the same thing. Alyssa Ross, she's always thinking about ways to serve and pray for our staff. She brings breakfast to the band and production often. She gives to and honors the staff well during Minister Appreciation Month and leads others to do the same. Michael Blodgett, did I say that one right? If not, I'm sorry, Michael. For the last year, we've relaunched an evangelistic fraternity Bible study in Delta Tau Delta. We meet every Tuesday from 6.30 to 8.30. He buys wings every week from Wingstop for about 15 to 20 guys. His wife bakes something every week for the guys. He was a Delta in college, so it's just a beautiful picture of him catching a biblical vision to see a group of people you care about be redeemed. Tim and Sandra Cover serve as advocates for our missionaries in Kenya. Tim's serving as a leader of the Refugee Relief Ministry where he helps meet the needs of refugee families in the Metroplex. Sandra serves as a mentor with One by One Ministry where she cares for young moms who need help. Cheryl Arnold, Cheryl serves in our next-gen ministry and is a blessing to so many in our church. Serves with Christ-like humility and is a constant encouragement to others. Jeff Harkins serves in both students and Kids City. He's passionate for the next generation to know and follow Jesus. And he also covered a Taylor Swift song for the Chicken Nugget Ninjas at City Camp, and it will forever be in our hearts. Jeff, if you're in here, I just say, prove it. Are you in here? Okay. Robin Wynn. Robin serves in Next Gen in women's Bible class. She's always friendly and kind as she serves the church. Don and Brenda Holmes. Don and Brenda have led our premarital counseling ministry for years. They are wise and generous with their time. They love our church well. It was in Brenda's house that I came to faith as a 19-year-old. Jordan Maxwell. Jordan oversees our parking team. 
He has served that ministry faithfully for years, humble and meets unseen needs with a servant's heart. God gave people to prepare people to build people. What a gift. What a gift. And just as I read that, church, I know you're encouraged. I'm encouraged for you and with you in this. And this message is not meant to be a burden that is laid on you, but an invitation to step into something that's absolutely beautiful. Is it messy? Can I get an amen? Amen. It's messy just like you are. It's messy just like your family's messy. It's challenging just like it is for you. But man, do people not need encouragement? Do they not need the advocacy of prayer? Do they not need to be built up in faith and love? Do they not just at times need somebody to lift their arms like Aaron did for Moses? Do they not just need a friend to stop by? Do they not just need a meal? Do they not just need the ministry of presence? You have been gifted. And the responsibility of this team over here and others who serve with them is to equip you and release you into it. For them to take from you what is not theirs is to steal. And for you to not receive what is rightly yours is to abdicate a responsibility. And Paul is saying, church, wake up. Wake up to this beautiful gift. The spoils of his victory he has given them to you. Take them, receive them with gratitude and humility and run and walk in them. If you may be saying, I'm in a season right now where I'm banged up. Well, part of the ministry of the pastor and the minister is to help come alongside you and mend you. Help heal you, not through their own might, but through the work of the Spirit through them. And then release you into what's next. If you feel inadequate, If you feel small, if you feel like, gosh, I just don't know, let me say this, welcome, welcome. That's how we feel all the time, all the time. So there's not going to be a day when you just kind of puff out your chest and be like, I've got this. But if you need training, if you need help, if you need equipping, that is their responsibility. And if they are not doing that, shame on them. But if you're not raising your hand and coming forward, shame on you. So church, this is not a sermon about shaming. This is a sermon about walking forward in a gracious invitation, an invitation into life, into flourishing, into ministry, into God's good design for you. Here's what I want to do. I just want to pray over you, and I want to pray God's favor over you. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I know there are some of you in here just weary, tired, beat up, and you hear this thought of like, gosh, more? You may not have it in the tank right now. And may God sustain you in this season as people build you up in the faith. It's what this is all about. And for some of us, this is a charge to take a step. I don't know what the step is, but it's a charge to take one. So Father in heaven, We're humbled, truly. Thinking about the gifts that you have given us. And in so many ways, we've we've taken those gifts and, and they show up vocationally for us. They show up in how we lead and manage in our day to day jobs. 
And so we, we have just enjoyed the spoils of your victory over and over and over again. We thank you for that. The fact that you have invited us to partner with you, to join you, it's humbling. And Lord, we, we want to take these gifts with glad hearts and then we want to pour ourselves out for people. We want to pour ourselves out for those who don't know you. We want to pour ourselves out, Lord, for those who need to be built up and matured and sanctified. I pray that you would help us reprioritize our lives in and around what the Apostle Paul has in mind for us here. That we would live a life worthy of the gospel, the, the very gospel, the very good news that you have sent your son to redeem and to save and to make all things new. And for those who need comforting, I pray that they would find comfort. For those who need equipping, I pray that they would find equipping, that they would raise their hand. And so maybe the next step this morning for those folks in here is just to take a step forward during response time. Maybe to say, I, I do need to be comforted. I do need to find healing. I do need to be mended before I take some other steps. But for those who say, I am willing, I just am unprepared. I pray for you that you take a step forward and find equipping and preparation through the pastors and leaders here at your church. But God, I just pray favor and blessing over Citizens Church. My heart is so deeply encouraged by this body of believers. I pray for further impact. I pray for further fruit that remains. I pray for holiness and a steadfastness in and among the leadership and the elders and the people of this church. And I pray for lives to be changed, young and old. So do your good work among us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.